There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's Wednesday, November 23rd. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, there is finally an agreement between teachers and the D.C. school system on a contract. And as kids head off to a long weekend, D.C. is also requiring they show a negative COVID test to come back. WTOP Scott Gelman fills us in. This is an incredibly positive development, and it's particularly positive because the Washington Teachers Union was headed to arbitration in mid-December. And have you ever eaten duck or venison? How about local mushrooms in a holiday dish? WTOP's Kate Ryan tells us about a new resource that'll have you rethinking serving wild-caught foods. Let's say for the first time you've hunted with friends and you bring home deer and you're like, I have no idea how to cook venison. So they have this wonderful assortment of, of recipes and it's kind of a celebration of all the things that are all around us all the time. Thanks for being here. I'm Megan Cloherty. Back from my honeymoon, Luke is taking some time off. Well, it's the day before Thanksgiving, and kids are ready for some downtime or maybe some travel time. Either way, it's better than being in school, right? But teachers in D.C. are celebrating as the Washington Teachers Union reached an agreement with DCPS finally. WTOP's Scott Gelman spoke with a teacher and the union on the terms of the new contract. Thanks for being here. Thanks, as always, for having me. Um, So let's just start with the basics. What did they have to say overall? Was it a positive? We're happy we got here? So this is a a long-standing development, right? I mean, you go back to the start of the school year, and there have been rallies and different what's called action and union world trying to urge Mayor Bowser and D.C.'s administration to give them a new contract or come to terms with what they felt would be a a fair contract. And the background here is that there's not been a new contract since 2019. And so teachers worked through the pandemic under the principles of the initial contract, and they haven't been able to reach an agreement. So no new contract in three years. With that means no cost of living increase for three years and everything that goes into the effect with that. You Mm -hmm. also have benefits at play. So This is an incredibly positive development, and it's particularly positive because they were – the Washington Teachers Union was headed to arbitration in mid-December. Oh, wow. So this is not just something that the two sides couldn't reach a deal. They went through mediation, couldn't reach a deal, and then they were getting to a point of arbitration, which was scheduled for the second week of December, and ultimately they were able to bypass that. So this is a a big win for – D.C. teachers and something that I suspect the mayor is also quite excited that she was able to get done before Thanksgiving. Right. So she can actually enjoy her her time off and put it behind her. Um, you spoke to WTU President uh, Jacqueline Pogue-Lyons, and I think the biggest takeaway from me after listening to what she had to say to you was like that cost of living increase, the 4 percent retention bonus, the little things. Oh, and dental and, and vision, yeah, right? Benefits was a big deal here, yeah. too. So. There was a raise written into that previous contract, but now you have a situation where it's being in the tentative agreement. It's it's 12 percent over 
three years. So you're getting the 4% cost of living increase every year, which is something that teachers were working without. Many of our teachers are uh, young and they have families or they're starting families. So these things are uh, bread and butter issues that are important in getting great teachers and keeping them. And also there are things written into the contract like caps on class sizes, right? So the, the thing that we always try to get to the crust of is, is why do people care, right? Why should I, a D.C. parent, care about this agreement with the city? And the bottom line here is when you look at this deal, everything affects students, conditions of classroom, infrastructure, how many kids are physically in a class, can right. a teacher buy supplies? And so all of those small things that might seem unrelated are actually, as the union says, directly related to what's going on here. And DCPS has long had an issue with retention. Um, and th they put in, I mean, that's part of the contract. Can you talk about what she had to say about that? Yeah. So first of all, I think it's important to note that everywhere across the country right. is having issues with retention, right? This is not something that was new before the pandemic. It's not something that was new because of the pandemic, and Fair. it's not something that's going away. Right. The argument that WTU President Jacqueline Pocalions made was you have people who are looking to go elsewhere because there are no cost of living increases, raises, benefits written into the existing contract. So she said to me a couple of times, why would I not consider teaching in Montgomery County or Prince George's County or go explore Northern Virginia mm. where – things might seem like they're better. I mean, maybe it's not when you get there, right? Grass greener on the other side. But right. the argument that she was making and the union was making is one that says, hey, we're at a point where people are leaving and people are not just leaving, period, but they're leaving for some of these other jurisdictions. And, and that's ultimately a problem. You also spoke with um, Ward 7 teacher Laura Fuchs, and she was saying, you know, obviously she talked a lot about a lot of things, but one of her points of contention was about the process itself. Why is that? They, they're not allowed to vote? So her argument was actually that the union really shouldn't be needed at all is is her line of thinking and you know take that for whatever it's worth but the the argument that she was making is this should have been an agreement that the city and its teachers should have been able to come to period let alone going through years of negotiations mediation and potentially arbitration you know in a perfect world maybe we wouldn't need unions and contracts but history has shown this is a very far from perfect world DCPS in particular is prone to be the least common denominator. She talked about very basic things like school supplies, technology really became a big talking point during the pandemic. Infrastructure is your HVAC unit working in your classroom. Right. We see photos on social media all the time of things that are wrong in DCPS schools. So the argument there is maybe you don't want to need the union, but in this case, she said you need the union and you need everyone to vote in support of a contract because things aren't getting done otherwise. And she said that the, like the evaluation system they wanted to get rid of, I guess that was a no-go. So the evaluation system is a very controversial thing that I suspect as this comes up in council and other parts of D.C. government conversation we'll have a longer talk about. But there are major criticisms regarding the system that is used to evaluate D.C. teachers. And the union actually in the same conversation when I asked Jacqueline what else the union is now moving to now that they have a, a contract agreement – tentatively in place, right. number one on the list was figuring out how to change this evaluation system that she says is inherently racist and could also be a deterrent for students or it could, be, it could also be a deterrent for teachers who are considering maybe coming to work in D.C. schools. Or maybe leaving. It puts a lot of stress on educators that I think is largely needless without actually helping us improve our practice, which would ideally be the goal. Mayor Bowser has long said she wanted to find common ground with the union. Um, do you know like what DCPS is saying about this or where they stand as far as 
where this contract is right now? So we haven't heard anything from DCPS yet. Logistically, there has to be a vote from the bargaining group. So actually, uh, Jacqueline was in her office today figuring out when that vote was going to happen. And then the D.C. Council, hopefully before the end of the year, has to approve it. And ultimately, they're confident that all of that can get through, assuming that enough of the teachers vote to support this. Mm -hmm. So those are the logistics behind it. But of course, when you look at the way that this has gone, the mayor, is, as recently as this month, said, oh, we should have the Washington Teachers Union accept the offer on the table because it's a good offer. And that was really the first major, major comment that she made publicly regarding negotiation, yeah. touting, you know, we may reached an agreement with this group of workers and this group of principals. And but ultimately, that was a, a big indication of where things stood as, as recently as, you know, the first week of November. So the, the fact that we're here a day before Thanksgiving and an agreement has been reached is, is revolutionary, really. <laughs> Not expected. Um, and we opened the interview by saying, you know, obviously we're heading into a long holiday weekend. But in D.C., kids have to come back with a negative COVID test to get back into the classroom. I thought we were past this. Is this still happening? I mean, is it just D.C. that's still doing this? Yeah, so it's not It's not a secret that D.C. has taken a very cautious approach with the pandemic. I would say the requirement is a rapid antigen test uploaded, I, I believe it's the day before students go back into the classroom on Monday. This is actually, despite COVID levels and whatever it might be, this is actually one of the few ideal uses, as I understand it, of rapid antigen tests, right, is hmm. to control infection level among a group of people who are all coming from a bunch of different places. So it's precautious. It's not the only place doing it. In Montgomery County, kids were sent home with uh, rapid test kits. The only difference is they don't actually have to upload the results or take them. They were just sort of given to them as a resource. But I have to tell you, and I'm, I'm sure you know this, most people with kids are sick right now, and right. it might not be COVID, <laughs> right. but we're talking about RSV and yeah. the common cold and flu. And so I think this is probably just an extra layer of precaution to make sure kids can ultimately finish the winter season in class because we're almost at that one year point of the mm-hmm. emergence of Omicron during right. which everything was sort of crazy and chaotic. And we know we've all been hearing about how many people are choosing to travel this holiday weekend. So clearly they're going to be on the road. Scott Gelman with the latest update as to where the contract stands. Hopefully we'll see a vote soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me and glad you're back. Thank you. And after the break, we're all thinking about turkey right now, but what about duck, deer, or even bear on the table? WTOP's Kate Ryan tells us about a new effort to rethink what we're serving. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602 changing lives. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. The kitchen is the busiest place to be tomorrow, but as we get the turkey brined or bake the pies ahead of time, many are also preparing their favorite game, fowl, fish, and plant-based recipes. 
many that are native to our region. And if you've never served wild-caught food before, it's an interesting thing to consider. You know, for many, it's old hats. The Department of Natural Resources wants to hear from those who know what they're doing. WTOV's Kate Ryan is here to tell us about this effort to get and share recipes for preparing this kind of food. Kate, thanks for being here. Sure, absolutely. Um, It was almost hard to write that intro because... All animals we eat are killed and all plants we eat are harvested. But when we talk about wild game and native plants, not as many people go out and get their own food themselves anymore. There are still some, however. Um, Tell us about this call for recipes. Well, here's the thing. Maryland uh, Department of of Natural Resources has already an online cookbook. And you can go and find it. Let's say for the first time you've hunted with friends and you bring home deer and you're like, I have no idea how to cook (laughs) venison. Um, So they have this wonderful assortment of, of recipes. And it's kind of a celebration of all the things that are all around us all the time and, and really tap into heritage Mm -hmm. of place and different ways to collect that. And they thought wait a minute, we need to do, we're all thinking about food and family and traditions. Why not get a holiday-based uh, list of, like, favorites yeah. and compile that? So from now until December 31st, they're asking you, um, submit your favorite recipes, whether it's things like game that you hunt, uh, fish that you fish yourself, mm-hmm. um, or things that you forage. And I think a lot of us don't realize how many items can be found literally in your backyard that are edible and delicious. I was thinking that, you know, if you ever see venison on a on a menu and you have it, it's always prepared so well, but I don't think people know how to make it themselves. I mean, they sell it in the grocery store. That's right. That's right. And there are a lot of different things to keep in mind and cultural things. People kind of may wrinkle their nose like venison. Oh, that's and my mother used to say, oh, some of those foods can be gamey. That's mm-hmm. the term people use. Mm-hmm. And what they mean is it has a strong and distinct flavor because it's not like our farm raised foods. But there are different ways to handle, cook it. One of the things that a lot of uh, cooks of venison do is soak it in milk. Um, to Interesting. reduce that so-called gamey flavor. Huh. Other people may say, no, I love that strong, distinctive, this is wild-caught game. Um, and then huh. for those who may feel um, not comfortable with hunting their food, um, there are vegan recipes in here. There's a lovely cocktail made with berries, um, according to Megan McGinn Meals. And yes, that really is her name. She's the <laughs> spokesperson at uh, DNR. Um there are mushroom recipes. Mm. Now, some of these things, I would caution people, you've got to learn and know your mushrooms. You need to be, ident- be able to identify them because safety is, is an issue. Um, dandelion greens, I don't know if you've ever had them. They have a sort of a spicy, peppery taste. Um, so all of these things can really enhance what you normally have on your table. It's a fascinating thing. I'm thinking magic mushrooms, but mushrooms can actually make you sick. I mean, there are plants that can make you sick if oh, you eat the wrong one, oh, for sure. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so you mentioned the cookbook um, that DNR already has called Wild Maryland. One of the recipes features bear meat, which, to your point, will make a lot of people go, ooh, but it's cultural. Exactly. It's what we're used to being um, on our tables. And apparently the bear meat, it's uh, it's called the burrito pie. And it's a take <laughs> on the Frito pie that people might be used to using ground bear meat. And again, for those of us who are used to thinking of bears as cuddly, goofy, or sometimes scary animals that you see in the wild. Yeah. And finding that on our plate might kind of scramble our brains a little bit. 
But uh, again, you know, a lot of us do eat other types of meat and don't blink at it. I I really enjoyed the discussion with her on foods that, well, she describes having sika deer, which is a very small deer that's found in Maryland, prepared for her by a hunter. And she said, I have to tell you, it was among the most flavorful and delicious meats I have ever had. And we talked about, she and I have something in common. We both like to go out and shoot animals with cameras. (laughs) So that we're not hunters, but she said it really opened her eyes to maybe I will put deer on my on my table uh, in future and knowing how to cook it and handle it. And you're sitting there with a granola bar out in the wild, you know, and you're thinking this is not what, you know, the natives had. They they had to come up with their own recipes and, and forage from the land. So it really it does make you think. Um, when it comes to fish, many people are a little more open-minded, right? Because we've seen fish prepared in different ways. Um, on the Eastern Shore, there are definitely family recipes that have been passed down, like how to make the best stuffed oyster, for example. What did she say about seafood recipes? It's very interesting. Uh, one of the uh, recipes they have is for catfish. Now, a lot of people wrinkle their noses at catfish and go, ooh, it's a bottom feeder. And she points <laughs> out, yes, yeah, so or crabs. Crabs, lobsters. Ooh, yes. Point counterpoint. And of, and of course, Maryland is known for our, our crab feasts and the, you sit there and crack your crabs open and have a good time. So, uh, again, different looks at different fish that are widely available to us. The thing she said about catfish is you can find them almost in every body of water. They are large. Yeah. They've got a mild flavor that kids, it's a good introduction for little kids to fish. It can be flavored in all sorts of different ways, and all it costs you is the angler's license and the time you spend out fishing on the water. Right. If you, as long as you have a good coat, you're good. To, <laughs> that's right. You're good to go. Another thing I wanted to bring up is the waterfowl. Again, a lot of us are used to, it's a very Maryland thing, right? Chesapeake Bay and the waterfowl that we find, especially this time of year, it is hunting season. Yeah. Um, one of the ducks that is very well known is the canvasback duck. And that's the very distinctive. It's one of the largest ducks you'll find, and it's got that red head. And uh, when you think of decoy, generally what you're seeing is a canvasback duck. Okay. This duck was known as the king of ducks, and it was considered a delicacy when Prince Edward came to the United States in 1860. It was served up at a hotel menu and written about by a British writer who called it one of the great American delicacies. So you're really tapping into an incredible heritage again when you consider these foods for your table. So I'm very interested to see what they end up with in this collection. And again, all you have to do is go to their website. It's in our story. You can go to WTOP.com, take a look and submit your own your own recipes. The last question I have is I think a lot of people think, okay, even if I wanted to do any of this, what if I'm not a hunter? Right. Like where would I get the duck or where would I get the the I think what was the deer you mentioned? Sika uh, deer. Sika deer. I, I don't know that you can find that sold as, as commonly, but you might have friends who hunt. Um, uh, you might uh, explore uh, different um, uh, grocery stores. Some do do duck and goose. You'd mm-hmm. have to look for a wild-caught um, species. But maybe at your farmer's markets, maybe ask around. Yeah. And again, the foraging is very interesting because sometimes you see people on the side of the road And they're actually foraging for everything from ramps, which are a garlicky member of the onion family that are very flavorful. Uh, You find those in spring. Dandelion greens, again, the various mushrooms, morels, which are so delicious. 
Um, They're out there. Again, I would suggest in those cases, though, and there are extension agents in your counties um, and different folks who can tap you into getting a little education, maybe going out with someone who knows what they're looking for and exploring it that way. Such a cool way to rethink food. Kate Ryan, thank you for your time. You got it. Well, guys, this was a very long episode, so I will let you go because I know we all want to start our holiday. But I just wanted to thank Luke for holding it down here in the podcast booth for me while I was on my honeymoon. We went to Spain and Ireland, which was very, very fun. Spain was like a little more scheduled than I think I maybe should have had it. It was kind of go, 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 go. Um, So by the time we made it to Ireland, we were ready for a pint of Guinness. And to just sit in a pub and chat and enjoy the rainy weather. So hopefully it sounds like we have good weather this holiday weekend. And I hope you enjoy it. We are not having a show on Thanksgiving or on Friday. So Luke and I will both see you guys next week. And that'll do it for us for the DMV Download today. Sponsored by Steamfitters Local 602. And our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance. And follow us on social media where we post content every day from behind the scenes. You can find out more about this podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP News app. Happy Thanksgiving.